from API. This is Energy Tomorrow Radio, your source for information and conversation about the most important energy issues of the day. Welcome to Energy Tomorrow Radio. I'm your host, Jane Van Ryan. Have you ever considered how gasoline and diesel fuel reach people at the retail level? Before these fuels are loaded onto trucks for transport to service stations, they usually move through pipelines which are below ground, like arteries in your body, carrying energy supplies throughout the country. One of the largest pipelines is the Colonial Pipeline, which carries oil products from refineries along the Gulf Coast to the population centers along the eastern seaboard. And today, December 1, 2009, Colonial is celebrating a milestone in its long history. To tell us about it, we have Colonial CEO Tim Felt on the telephone today. Welcome, Tim. Good morning. How are you? Doing very well. Thank you so much for joining us today. Tim, can you explain just exactly what it is that your company is celebrating today? Well, today we are celebrating 10 million man-hours without a lost time injury. Pretty remarkable. How many years does that equate to? Uh, just a little over seven years. We started uh, sometime in February of 2002, and we officially reached that milestone the day after Thanksgiving. Well, how does the safety record cover all of Colonial's activities? I mean, does it include all daily operations, even construction projects? It covers everything that we do 24 hours a day, um, everything from uh, uh, field operations, field construction activities, our internal uh, maintenance activities, uh, every part of the pipeline operation. And so I assume that the safety record also covers Katrina and Rita, the back-to-back -back hurricanes in 2005. It and, sure does, yeah. Yeah. And what, what experience did your firm have during those storms? What kinds of damages did you sustain? Well, we were pretty fortunate that uh, most of the pipeline had very little physical damage. The pipeline is below ground. The tanks were pretty much uh, protected. I think uh, most of the surface damage was repaired or addressed pretty quickly um, after the storms passed. Uh, the, the biggest disruption we had was the availability of product from the refineries because they had to shut down and then take some time to get back up. And then also having power supplied to our facilities, we move a product with large pumps and motors and they uh, require a lot of electricity. And so availability of electricity took us a little while uh, to get restored back up to full operation. Well, that sounds as though then you had a lot of crews working a lot of hours in what could have been very, fairly dangerous conditions. Is that correct? Uh, that is correct. In fact, uh, in some cases, working 24 hours a day with our employees and with contract employees, helping to uh, you know to restore service and restore the operation. At 24 hours, you got you got night conditions. You don't have optimal conditions when you've got uh, debris and things like that that you're working around. Not just in our facilities, but along the right of way. Uh, we certainly had to uh, fly over the, the pipeline and make sure that there wasn't something uh, disruptive in between our facilities because the pipeline's underground and crosses uh, roads and waterways and things like that. Uh, we did have to make sure that uh, we were safe all along the pipeline, not just in our, our main uh, centers of operation. Perhaps we ought to explain to our readers, our listeners rather, more about the Colonial Pipeline. Uh, how large is your pipeline network and how many people do you employ? Well, we employ uh, just under 700 people and we're about 5,500 miles of pipeline. So we start in the Gulf Coast area, Houston, uh, Louisiana area. We pick up from a number of refineries there, and then we move across to the east, uh, the southeast, and then up into the northeast corridor in the mid-Atlantic area. 
So we terminate up in uh, just south of uh, New York City. And how important is the Colonial Pipeline to fuel distribution in the eastern half of the country? We're a significant source of the refined products that uh, do hit the eastern seaboard. There are other refineries up in the northeast that supply uh, gasoline and, and diesel products and heating oil to people. Some of it might come in from, from uh, overseas or from barges or, or uh, ship traffic. But for the most part, we're a, an extremely large uh, diameter pipeline. Uh, we're able to move large volumes of product very efficiently and very safely uh, using our pipeline network. Would it be possible to even transport fuel throughout the country without pipelines? Well, uh, while I don't know the exact numbers, if you would picture either trains or trucks full of gasoline and line them up, you'd have to have thousands and thousands of miles of trains and trucks to really deliver that uh, the gasoline without pipelines. I really don't think it would be possible to deliver the volumes that we talk about in this country without having pipelines to do it. And if you did, you'd have all that traffic on the railways or on the roadways, and therefore I think it would pretty much be impossible to, to do without uh, pipelines. And for sure we can do it so efficiently and so safely that uh, I think that just adds to the value of pipelines. Well, your safety record obviously speaks to the, the fact that you can indeed deliver products, petroleum products, safely. But what is the biggest threat to pipeline safety? Well, let me tell you how, how we handle the safety of pipeline, and, and we do that with a couple of programs that fall within a, a very significant integrity management program, and that's made up of so many different aspects of maintaining the pipeline from inspecting it with the latest uh, technical devices. We call them smart pigs or pigs. They go through the line. They're full of computer sensors that will look at it, uh, the pipeline for any any abnormalities. Uh, we're constantly checking and maintaining the what we call the right-of-way, uh, the, the land uh, over which the, the pipeline is run. We're looking for uh, signs of, uh, of people in, uh, intruding into that right-of-way. We're looking for signs of uh, vegetation growth or, or any signs of leaks, anything that could uh, obstruct the, the pipeline from operation, operating safely. So between that technology and our constant vigilance, and we've got a, an operation center that runs 24 hours a day that monitors pressures and temperatures and volumes and is also able to, to look for anything that could possibly uh, signal something wrong with the pipeline. And then finally, we participate with the one-call agencies and and the Common Ground Alliance, and uh, the, uh, I don't know if you've heard of this 811, the call before you dig. Every state is either a member of that program or is affiliated in some way or another, where we really partner up with other entities that are doing construction activities or people along our right-of-way to kind of uh, add to the, to the, uh, to the eyes and ears uh, watching over the pipeline for us. Well, with all of the technology that you've described, the 811 number and so on, how would you characterize the safety of America's pipelines? Should Americans consider that pipelines are safe and dependable? I think the pipelines are safe and dependable for sure, but they're not perfect. And, and for sure, along the way, we've had uh, regulations that have, have encouraged us to, to become safer. Uh, we as a company are always, and, and, and it's not just Colonial Pipeline, but as an industry, uh, pipeline companies in general, 
are always looking for the latest technology to see if it can be a viable tool uh, to help maintain the safety of the pipeline, the integrity of the pipeline. And then, of course, we've been involved more and more with uh, awareness of the public. And to the extent that the public is more informed, that they're more aware of pipelines in their neighborhoods, signs of trouble around those pipelines, that they can actually help us be that extra set of eyes for us, uh, as well as for their, you know, their own safety. Excellent point. That's something for all of our listeners to pay attention to today. For sure. Now, you've got this tremendous record, obviously, so what do you attribute Colonial's continuing success and safe operations to? It goes without saying that we have great people, people that are dedicated to the, the, the safe and reliable operation of the pipeline. Uh, you know, we talk about the safety of, of people not being injured um, while on the job, but, uh, you know, so it's their personal safety, but they're just so dedicated to the pipeline. They, they understand the, the value that we play in, in serving uh, the energy needs of people in the country, in the northeast, uh, the eastern seaboard in particular. They take that responsibility very seriously. We're also fortunate to continue to tap into new forms of technology or as technology improves the existing uh, systems that we have. Uh, we try to subscribe to those and take advantage of those changes in technology. And then finally, I had mentioned earlier the fact that the, the public is more aware of the, the pipelines in their neighborhoods and what to look out for, and I think that helps our, our success as well. In fact, uh, you're having me on your program helps promote that, that awareness, and uh, just want to thank you for that opportunity. Well, it's our pleasure, and I also want to congratulate you on your safety record. That's quite an accomplishment. And well, thank Tim, you very much. Yes, and thank you for joining us today on Energy Tomorrow Radio. Thank you for joining us on Energy Tomorrow Radio, brought to you by the people of America's oil and natural gas industry. For more information about this podcast or to submit questions for future shows, visit energytomorrow.org. That's energytomorrow.org.